As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com to learn more now. I am downtown and I'm looking up at the Hudson's building. I don't know how many stores this is. It's pretty tall from here, at least 10 floors, um, but I'm not sure how much more. This is historic ground in Detroit. The iconic Jail Hudson department store occupied this space on Woodward between Grand River and Gratiot Avenues for more than 90 years. The big store, as it was called, fostered tons of memories for locals like Alicia Baker. It's like a historical thing. I used to come here all the time when it, for Christmas when it was Hudson's. Now, what was that floor that had all the toys on it? In 1998, 15 years after it closed, the Hudson building was demolished in a big spectacle that coated the city in dust. But these days, businessman Dan Gilbert owns the property. And what's under construction there has people both excited and apprehensive, especially since the billionaire's real estate firm this month asked for additional tax breaks on the project. It'd be a good opportunity for people, especially working downtown. Mm -hmm. It's a new place. Something that's being on the inner city instead of having to drive on the outskirts for things. So I thought that was great. I got mixed emotions. If there's shops and mall and, and are we, will we be able to afford things in this shop, in this mall? Just a regular folks. I'm not supportive of the development in general. I believe that there's been far too much taxpayer money that's gone towards it. After already receiving tax breaks around when the project first broke ground about five years ago, Bedrock approached the city council again a couple weeks back. This time, the ask was for $60 million of additional tax abatements. Now it's up to the council to decide if Gilbert should get a break. It's a huge development. I mean, I would love to see it finished and not have it not finished because that would be a huge eyesore. The market is there to support it. They don't need to, to build it on the backs of taxpayers. On this episode, we're talking about why a billionaire would ask for a helping hand, what a denial could mean for the future of the J.L. Hudson site, and how it all impacts Detroiters. My name is Kerry Jr. II, and this is On The Line. I am J.C. Rindle, and my beat involves real estate and development in the city of Detroit. All right, J.C., thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, tell us about what's going on in your beat, real estate in Detroit. What's, what's the big news? Yeah, we have a couple high-rises that are underway right now. Uh, one of them is the Hudson site. And that Hudson site has hit the news recently because of uh, uh, some requests that Bedrock is making for some more tax incentives. Is that correct? Indeed. Uh, Bedrock, which is Dan Gilbert's real estate company, has requested an additional $60 million. That's the value of a tax break. Be worth $60 million over 10 years. So can you tell me a little bit about the history of this site? Why is it called Hudson's and the acquisition by Bedrock? Yeah. The, the Hudson department store was one of the biggest department stores in the world. Um, this was really the, the center of commerce, more or less, for um, everyday people in Detroit for for decades. Early 83, they closed for good. And then it was imploded uh, back in, I believe it was 1998. This was multi-stories, took up the entire block, red brick. It was a huge, huge thing. So then what happens next? After the implosion in the late 1990s, uh, the city built an underground parking garage 
there. You know, above the site, there was nothing, and they were waiting for a development savior to come around. And it turned out to be Dan Gilbert. Um, back in 2007, um, he essentially has had dibs on the site ever since then. You know, he eventually got development rights for a dollar to that site. Um, some people online, especially, say, oh, yeah, you know, Gilbert got it for a dollar. Yes, but uh, he, he also paid $15 million for that parking garage that was torn out when they built the foundation of this thing. One interesting thing you said when you were talking about Gilbert's acquisition, because you said they were looking for a real estate savior. And the word savior yeah. pops up in my head because a lot of people give Gilbert credit for Detroit's renaissance. But I know there's also controversy around that term. Can you just speak to that or that perspective, I should say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Gilbert did. He, he arrived at a very dark moment uh, for, for downtown Detroit. You know, he uh, kind of right when the Great Recession was hitting. Um, you know, GM was uh, about to declare bankruptcy, uh, Chrysler too. And so he did, he showed up and he brought, you know, over 10,000 employees with him, you know, across all of his companies to downtown. And yeah, he, he kind of was a savior for, for downtown, which is always controversial because you have a you know, majority black city and this white guy coming in from the suburbs. You kind of, you know, a lot of people really wondered, well, you know, who is all this you know, new development for? Was it really for a long time to Twitter? So there was some, some controversy there. Um, but, but to his, you know, to his credit, you know, he was going after buildings that were empty or mostly empty, nothing going on. Um, and he revitalized them. Um, so, so not quite a scenario where you, you saw in, in bigger cities where you would have, you know, middle income or lower income people that, that get pushed out. There were a handful of buildings, um, or unfortunately that did occur. Um, but you know, Dan Gilbert was not, was not someone who did that. Uh, speaking of Gilbert's buildings, don't we occupy one of them? Yeah, the, the Free Press building was, uh, you know, we, we actually left in 98, long before I was at the Free Press. And we all moved over in, in 2014 into uh, the, the old Federal Reserve building um, in, in downtown Detroit, also on Fort Street. And that is a bedrock building. So we, we are bedrock tenants. All right, JC, go ahead and lay it out. What's the heart of the controversy with the situation? Yeah, well, the controversy is that you do have one of the wealthiest men in Michigan, uh, a billionaire on paper, uh, Dan Gilbert. And he is asking for a, a tax break that is worth $60 million over 10 years. And, and last year, he did sell about $500 million worth of stock uh, you know, right, right before the slowdown. And with that, um, so we know he, he had that money readily available. He and his wife have a philanthropical projects here in Detroit. They, they have a foundation. And, and a lot of that money is going to pay off some back taxes for, for residents of Detroit's neighborhoods. Um, as well as individuals who are behind on their rent in Detroit, um, and some other things too. Um, but I think some of the controversy is that you know people know this guy is is, is a lot of money, um, but yet he is you know there with with hat in hand for for a sixty million dollar tax break. So people are scratching their heads and and wondering you know why is this really necessary? You know why the city would would give this to him? Can you just talk about the initial plan for the site? Yeah, you know, way back when they broke ground in December 2017, and, and I was there, it was a very cold day that December. Uh, everyone's uh, feet were just was really frigid in that little little tent we were in. Um, it was going to be two buildings, it still is. One of them would be an office slash uh, events building, and it's 12 stories, um, but pretty wide. And then right next door is going to be a, a very tall, but much slenderer residential and hotel building. It's going to be 49 stories, um, 
around 685 feet. You know, both of them are underway. Um, the tower still has a, a long ways to go. I believe they have topped out, you know, the, uh, the, the squatter uh, office slash event space building. So what was the original cost of these buildings together? Originally, the, the number that was put out there was $909 million. Uh, Bedrock does say that the costs have ballooned to $1.4 billion. I, I've yet to really personally see, see documents laying out you know, exactly where those, those new costs are. But what I have seen are uh, some documents that, that city officials have been working off of. And it says we're at $991 million for, for hard costs and the rest would be soft costs. And soft costs would be things like the design and architecture. That's it's a big jump, um, but those are the numbers that, that Bedrock has put forth. And then, in terms of the timeline of this project, is it is it on schedule? Has it been delayed? Yeah, the Hudson Site project is about two years behind at this point. Um, it was going to be finished around, uh, I think, late this year, and and now they're looking at at late 2024, I believe. When we come back, Bedrock's past deals, the current deal, the payoffs, and the consequences. As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now. And we're back talking with Free Press reporter J.C. Rindel about the tax break Dan Gilbert's bedrock is asking for to complete construction on the former Hudson site. All right, J.C., let's break down the tax breaks for this project. What are they and how do they work? There's a couple tax breaks for this project. Um, the, the big one is a transformational brownfield which was so unusual, it required the state legislature to approve it. Now, brownfield tax incentives aren't unusual in and of themselves. These are abandoned industrial sites, and cities will use breaks to attract developers to do something with the property. But it was the size of the incentives that made them unique. And for this site, it's estimated to total $192.8 million through the year 2052. And that money is coming from various taxes that would normally be paid but are instead being redirected to the developer, which will be bedrock. And those include things like the wages, the income taxes for construction workers, um, some of the taxes on construction materials, um, as well as taxes, um, I believe income taxes for the residents who will live in the tower. And then what's the difference between the initial tax break, the brownfield one you talked about, and then this current one? And the second piece, are the, these are property taxes uh, for this the 60 million tax break they want which is something different from the transformational. 
And this would be a property tax abatement. And the way it would work is it would freeze uh, tax levels you know, for the decade, you know, once this thing gets built. And then after it goes away a decade later, um, then the, the DDA would essentially get all of the money. Downtown Development Authority, that's the name of it. Um, that or most of the money actually that that is generated at the site, but for that whole decade, you're going to have sixty million dollars that, that that the developer Bedrock does get to capture, and that's what the tax break is. Okay, and so the Downtown Development Authority already receives taxes from certain areas dedicated downtown, correct? Correct. That go toward economic development, mm-hmm. just broadly. That that is correct. The DDA has is a tax capture area, and. What that means is that a lot of the taxes that would normally, if not for this DDA, a lot of the taxes, property taxes that would normally go to fund things like the schools, um, the, the DIA levy, some Wayne County educational entities, um, the city, a lot of that money is instead captured by the DDA and put towards um, whatever, whatever uses the DDA has, which tend to include economic development projects like Little Caesars Arena, and, and what does that do for a development like this to have that sixty million over t- ten years? What, is, what do they use it for? Yeah, a lot of that is really, uh, really up to the developer, and it's a bit unclear to everyone um, how how they plan to use the money and, and how critically it, it is needed there. Um, but what Bedrock does say is, is that the project penciled out uh, or was already premised on them receiving this tax abatement way, you know essentially way back in 2017, even though they didn't really anticipate, they didn't really need the money right then. Okay. Why is Bedrock asking for these incentives now? Bedrock says there was, there was a two-step process for this type of tax break where you need to have the, um, a, a district all set out that where you, you know, become eligible for this sort of tax break. The second part, which was, was really crucial and, and why they did not, could not really do it until now, the second part is based upon the actual design of, of what is getting built. And, and back in 2017, they didn't really know. And the design has changed multiple times since then. It was going to be, um, you know, at one point it was going to be the tallest tower in Detroit. They've since lowered that to now to be number two behind the Renaissance Center. So according to Bedrock, you had to wait until now. And to the overall question of why? Bedrock did not respond to On the Line's request for comment, but in the course of his reporting, JC was told by Jared Fleischer, the top lobbyist for the Gilbert organization, that, quote, without the tax abatement, you don't have enough money to support debt and you don't have a viable project, unquote. So it's Bedrock's position that the in-progress project doesn't make sense without the deal. And, And one other big element to this is that, you know, right now when there's nothing on the site, it's generating about $620,000 in property tax per year, I believe. Um, but once you build these, these two buildings, um, you're, you're going to have a lot more taxable stuff there. And Bedrock does point out, um, you know, when it's applying for these subsidies, that, that right now you can get 100% of, of nothing, um, which is, you know, you know under a million. Or, you know, the city can, you know, in the future enjoy a sizable percentage of you know, all the, all, all the great taxable stuff that's going to be built there. While that tax abatement is in place, once the project is done, $2.6 million a year in taxes is expected. And after that tax freeze... I think about, about $10 million per year for the property tax, kind of once this whole thing is over. It's, it's unclear uh, about how much of that would be 
going to the city versus going to the DDA. We just know how much it would generate. And most of that would be going to the DDA. So what would granting these incentives to Bedrock mean for the city and for its residents? What it means is it really depends on you know, the, the financial wherewithal of, of Bedrock and whether they could complete the Hudson site you know, without this tax abatement. And, and obviously, um, you know, the commercial real estate market, especially office, is not what it was before COVID. Um, and if they really do need the $60 million to get this, the Hudson site built, then the difference would be between, you know, having a, an incomplete skyscraper there, you know, kind of like the, the failed jail project. You could kind of either have that or you could, you know, approve this abatement and, and get the tower. And it also depends, too, on uh, kind of what, what otherwise, you know, if not for for this abatement, um, how the DDA would would spend that, you know, the sixty million? What what would happen to that money if it just would be, you know, collecting somewhere in escrow or if it would be put to use? That that's a big question mark. Hmm. And why should the average citizen care about this conversation? Yeah, city officials say that even if the the sixty million tax abatement is approved, that the project you know, will still result in, in a positive uh, tax benefit for the city just over those first 10 years, you know, during the, the life of this abatement of some, about $71 million. Um, but that number is premised on on the Hudson site creating a lot of new jobs. Um, I believe about, about 1,950 new full-time jobs. Hmm. Yeah, and so, okay, and that's if the, the incentives are provided. Correct. The bottom line benefit for the city would still be $71 million, according to this, the city's numbers, but that is still dependent upon it creating you know, roughly you know, 1,950 new full-time jobs. And, and, and economists say that what's important there is that you don't just have a, you know, musical chairs and, and reshuffling where you, know, you have a company in Southfield that wants to come to Detroit or, or even or even in like what happened with the Renaissance Center when that first opened, you had a lot of older office buildings kind of suffered for for a decade plus. You know, everyone wanted to be into the fancy new building on the waterfront, the Renaissance Center. Um, okay, so uh, what are the next steps in this process? Right now, we're just waiting for city council to act on the $60 million tax abatement. Last week, they were supposed to vote, but council members decided to wait a week and and really look at the issues a little bit closer on Tuesday, council decided to wait one more week. And what have council members had to say about the tax break request? Yeah, some council members have said they're going to vote no, um, you know, kind of based upon the optics of, you know, a you know, billionaire asking for money in, in a city, you know, was, was not too long ago in bankruptcy and, and things of that nature. Um, from what I hear from our, our city hall reporter, I think council is leaning towards approving the, the tax abatement, uh, mainly for those reasons that, you know, yeah, you are giving a tax break to a billionaire, a billionaire on paper, um, but you could either get 100% of something very little or, you know, a sizable percentage of, you know, something that, that is going to be really, really great and new and, and grand on this Hudson site. It should be noted that five city council members who will vote on the matter got major campaign contributions from a Gilbert-funded political action committee. One who spoke with the free press said it won't impact their vote, however. Outside of the council, what voices are in support and, and opposed to these incentives? There's been some, some activist voices that are, that are not in favor of the deal. I believe the business community is in favor of the deal. 
Um, tax abatements are very common in Detroit for any new development. Um, you know, they're not making any special exception here for just Dan Gilbert. Developers say that they need those in order to make the numbers work in Detroit because we're not like Chicago or New York that could com- command high rents from the occupants of these buildings. But the construction costs are roughly comparable. And, and so you need something to fill that gap. Do the numbers typically align with the initial proposal? I'm just curious because I feel like there is concern from people about like whether or not this will pay off for the city. And my question is just like, is that justifiable because of anything previously that they may have seen where those numbers didn't come out the way that it was initially proposed? Yeah, I, I can't think of any examples where, where Bedrock has provided numbers that never, never, never came out or really never came to be. Um, though I will say that in this case, um, you know, it, it is, it's, it seems like it might be a high bar, you know, to, uh, to, to achieve, you know, 1,950 new full-time jobs at the Hudson site and, and not just shuffled around people, but, but, you know, net new jobs there and, and people coming into the city. That does seem like, uh, like a high bar to fulfill. Hopefully it happens. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like an interesting thing to look at moving forward. Um, well, JC, uh, I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Well, thank you for having me. Additional thank you to Wendy Thibodeau, Alicia Baker, Lexi Fisher, Rosalind McKinney, and Tom Chosky, who we caught up with out near the construction site. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Pavithra Rajesh. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Don't forget to like the show, subscribe to the show, um, and share it with your friends and family. Uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.